Warning, excessive amounts of alcohol are consumed in recording this podcast. The things you are about to hear were not conducted under the strict supervision of trained professionals and the following conversations may lead to gibberish and people talking shit. No brain cells were damaged during the recording of this podcast, except Alan's. Do not try this at home, but feel free to visit the pub post-pandemic. Alan, are you freaking kidding me? Will you just be quiet? We've got to start the podcast. You are the world's worst landlord, you know that. <laughs> okay, hi, and welcome to the Wireless Podcast, where the beer flows fast, free, and frictionless. On today's show, we talk about Ofcom's advice, clear pass, and roaming. I'm your host, Dan Jones. I've got Ryan Dodds with me, Christian Roberts, and still to pay last week's tab... Mr. Alan Blake. So how's it going, guys? How, how, how are you coping with, with staying inside? I'm not. I'm not. Day five. Day five. I'm broken. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm coping. How are you boys coping? You're here. We are here. I've noticed are we allowed to be open, Dan, by the way? Because, you know, there's a lock in, lockdown, sorry. Yeah. Well, just don't tell Boris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just, just don't invite Boris, he'll be fine. Um, Christian, I've noticed you've been drinking quite heavily during the week. Um, I won't, I won't say heavily. Um, we've had five five bottles of rum, um, <laughs> and I'm now on Estrella. And that's, that's just today. <laughs> Is that a bottle of rum a day? <laughs> I was just about to say that there's one there's... bottle of rum per day. No, no, there's two of us. It's half a bottle a day. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not an animal. <laughs> Working from home's hurt you bad. I'm loving it. Can't remember a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, you're on Estrella, are you? I am. Estrella today, yeah. Nice, nice. Alan, what, are you, what have you got? <clears throat> I've got a very special tipple. It's called... <laughs> Well, I'm going to giggle myself here. It's called Buckcum. Buckcum! That's it, dear me! It's called Buckcum. Actually, look, see? I'm not lying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, people, that's a good beer. It is a good beer. It's the Buckcum Brewery Co. Okay? Nice. And just for those that don't understand, this is a brewery, and it's spelled B-U-T-C-O-M-B-E. And it's Gorham IPA, which I'm drinking. So, you know me, I love my buckcum. <laughs> so, so buckcum, buckcum, but you're going to say buckcum. That's fine. <laughs> love it. Isn't that, isn't that, is that not how you pronounce it? Actually, I'm telling you, you want, it. Oh I've been telling everyone I love you the buckcum. Call the shop and say, excuse me, do you have any of your finest buckcum available? <laughs> well, it could be five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. It's a bit strange. Uh, we've peaked too soon. We've peaked too soon. <laughs> what have you got? Sorry, right? did you ask me a question? I did. What are you drinking? Uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> Bookfast. <laughs> the what? I've got a bottle of Bookfast. The bottle Bookfast. of Bookie. <laughs> oh, God. Nice. I'm in tears. <laughs> I, I, I'm on. I'm on gem. I'm, Box cheers. I'm trying to keep it going, guys. Come on, stick with me. <laughs> <laughs> I've, 
<laughs> I got a bottle of gem, which is an amber ale from Bar Thales, and that is lovely as well. Uh, and I'm already through one bottle because we've been chatting for a long time while we were waiting for Ryan to put his kids to bed. So, beauty. Okay. Um, oh, voicemails. We've had a voicemail. Let's have a listen. Hey, folks. Chris Reed here. I don't appreciate Alan taking over my echo and playing Dancing Queen. At least have the decency to request Waterloo next time you're drinking and causing trouble. Ooh. He's not happy. <laughs> so, sounds familiar, though, doesn't it? Excessive amounts of alcohol are consumed in recording this podcast. The things you are about to hear were not conducted under the strict supervision of trained professionals, and the following conversations may lead to gibberish and people talking shit. No brain cells were damaged during the recording of this podcast, except Alan's. Do not try this at home, but feel free to visit the pub post-pandemic. Is Chris Reed our voiceover guy? Apparently. They do sound so alike. Can we play it again? Can we play that voicemail again from Chris Reed? Uh, of course we can, yeah. You ready? Hey folks, Chris Reed here. I don't appreciate Alan taking over my echo and playing Dancing Queen. At least have the decency to request Waterloo next time you're drinking and causing trouble. <laughs> it is. It's the same person. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, seriously, I think he should, uh, he should record a disclaimer for us. Yeah. Oh, we'll send him the script. Chris, if you're around, get in touch. We would love you to record a, a new disclaimer for us. That was amazing. You have a script? Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. It's pretty loosely used there that term <laughs> <laughs> so lockdown week one how how are we feeling my week's been uh good fun so on day one my wife told me that she wanted to be in isolation by herself <laughs> uh, on on day two she said she was going to leave me and i reminded her that she can't we're in lockdown um day three before nine o'clock i was told to stop eating biscuits <laughs> and then on day four, I, I don't know if you've you've seen the um, PE lessons that um, the body coach is doing. I've forgotten his name now. Joe Wicks. Joe Wicks. Yes, yeah. I, I, I was asked to do the PE lesson with the kids, which is me doing PE and the kids sitting down watching me and laughing. And <laughs> my body's never felt pain like it. I'm absolutely <laughs> distraught. And it, I actually got forced again to do it this morning. Um and it's it's just been like the worst two half hour periods of my life. You know, I'd like much rather that. be drinking buttcom. <laughs> do, you know <laughs> do you know what I like about the Joe Wicks kind of PE lesson is that I forget my kit every morning, so I have to do it in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing was yesterday, um, he punched himself in the face. It was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> he did? He punched himself in the face, but that was the highlight of my week. <laughs> but no, no, it's uh, it's been interesting. I'm, I'm bored of working at home. It's it's just yeah. mind. I mean, some people do it all the time, but I like being in an office and talking to humans. <laughs> not, I think it just takes a period of adjustment to be brutally honest with you. Because I hate working in an office now. It's because you've got no friends. That's true. I hate people. <laughs> I hate you more importantly. Yeah, this is when uh, Ryan realizes that what he's been doing for years is called quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because he's the only one out of his company that does work from home. And uh, <laughs> I think it might have just been like punishment for something at some point. No, I think it's Christian hit the nail on the head. Nobody likes me, so it's fine. How does a wireless guy work from home and actually contribute? I don't. <laughs> Honesty, <laughs> <laughs> you don't contribute to uh, your company's progression and have you, make money. Have you been furloughed? Be furloughed? What? 
<laughs> furloughed, it's a word no one's ever heard of until this week. It's when you're working and you're not working. It's where you basically Fair get sacked lit. so that the government have to pay you wages. Sorry, I need to say it like you understand that, Ryan. Furlough? All right, okay. I've heard that. <laughs> so what did you say? It's, it's where the, the government sack you and pay you wages. Is that what you said? No, no, no. It's where, it's where like, if the, if the company you work for were going to sack you, the government basically say, don't sack them. We'll just pay 80% of their wages. So it's like the door that but pays more? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah, we sacked all our guys this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. That's just basically being, being serious, you horrible man. You. <laughs> you're laughing about us. It's not laughing matter. No, no, we, matter. we Should, shouldn't laugh about that, that sort of thing, you know. Lots okay. of people have lost their jobs, and it's just right. terrible. Terrible. Anyway. Conversation killer. Yeah. Has anyone else, has anyone else got any fun anecdotes of the week at home? Absolutely not. I have. Go on then. So I'll, I'll do this for the benefit, but um, you know, we, you know, as Brits have been hoarding toilet paper. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, as Brits apparently have been clearing the shelves of toilet paper and there's no toilet paper and I've no idea why we, you know, we need toilet paper. Well, I do know why we need toilet paper. But I don't know why we need so much and we need to. Jeez, yeah. Toast pipe. Yeah, exactly. Sponge, flannel, you know, same Third one bath. you wash your car with. <laughs> Bird bath? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never bird bathed. Bird baths are really high up. How do you get... No, 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 no. Well, you know, there's obviously been a time where you might have been caught short once. You looked in the toilet and went, oh, I've just dumped and there's no bog roll left. But you just so happened to be in, I don't know, an accessible toilet of some sort. Or even the train toilet. The train toilets are ideal. So rather than lose a sock... You wear, uh, you splash from the sink. <laughs> from butt comb to butt wash. Uh, oh my God. Okay. That's the bird bath. That's, That's the bird bath. You don't go out the it's not the bird bath. I, I thought you generally meant you would go out to a bird bath and then you wash yourself. There's no way I'd do that in public. I'd get arrested. Uh, well, it's in your garden. You'd be fine. You, you need rested anyway for that. Go on. Go on, go on Alan. Finish what? your story. Oh, so... All right. So the funny thing was that um, <laughs> I saw a, um, I demonstrated this earlier, by the way, in front of another video conferencing that I joined with uh, UC and his ad hoc networks. So hi, UC. And um, hi, UC. there was a, a video that went around on, I don't know, Facebook or Twitter about a, uh, an old boy in during the war when they were rationing and everything else, how they survived with the lack of toilet paper. So we ended up demonstrating this on a, on a viral video. And he basically got one sheet of paper, like so. And he uh, folded it up into four pieces and he, he ripped the tip of the toilet paper like so. And he says, this is the important piece, puts it to one side, opens up the toilet paper. <clears throat> and obviously there's a, there's a hole. I have to describe this because this is a, a podcast clearly. So there's a, a hole in a single sheet of toilet paper. He puts his finger in between <clears throat> the hole and he uses the finger to <clears throat> wipe his body. And with the rest of the tissue, he then uses it to pull off his finger and take all the rest of the, the, the poo. And that's how he's wiped his bottom. Now, what he says, which is the hilarious bit, was that he takes the piece that he ripped off, the corner piece, 
and he demonstrates that it gets in your nails. So he used the quarter piece to, oh. to kind of, <laughs> yeah, get it out and uh, whatnot. And I thought that was hilarious. But um, yeah, there you go. Episode three, we're already at new lows. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is toilet humour at its finest. <laughs> you can you can tell we were drinking for a long time before we started recording. <laughs> we, we, we had Waiting to wait for Ryan. We had to wait for Ryan to finish reading the Cisco press book to his kids because that's how Ryan <laughs> learns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I tell you what, so I live in quite a small little village, a uh, place called Cheddar, where the cheese comes from. And um, so our local supermarket is a, like a Sainsbury's. So I went in there, all the shelves are absolutely stacked still. N- nothing missing. You'd never know, right? Apart from you get to the wine aisle, no wine left. There were, th- there were three bottles left and they were all Chateau Neuf de Paps. So, them in <laughs> they, the were what? What? they were what? <laughs> Chateau Neuf de Pap. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, well, probably you probably want to put a French accent on. A <laughs> Chateau, Neuf Neuf Give Chateau us your Neuf de Pap. It means Pap's house. It's a really nice coach to own, actually. Um, yeah, so bought those. <laughs> but yeah, like everything else fine the only thing that people had panic bought in cheddar was wine which i thought was quite funny well yeah it's because we're always eating cheese well, as well with a nice cheese <laughs> that's true yeah that's true i don't mean to panic everyone but i went shopping today and there was very little beer really mm. you need to come to Morrison's. cheddar mate is that, that why you ended up with buckcom <laughs> yep <laughs> it, was, it was on a tap not by choice <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk Wi-Fi? Yeah, Christian, I think we were going to uh, send something out, weren't we? Should we do that now? That's a good idea. So there's a tweet going out now, um, inviting people to join us live. Is that because we don't have any content to talk about Wi-Fi and we stuck with it? Sorry. No, we we rehearsed this, if you remember. We we were going to say... Speaking of not moving, let's talk about roaming or something like that. I can't remember now. That's not a very good rehearsal. In that case, we need to work harder on that. Uh, love it. Right, I'm just so yeah, Ryan, you were gonna you were gonna talk about roaming, weren't you? Off you go. Oh, aye, uh, so um Roman. Aye. The Romans came to Britain. Oh hang on. Built a wall called Hadrian's Wall. It's about Roman, not Romans. Oh, oh, right, right. So, we've just gone live to everybody. We've pretty much opened the doors here, and already we've got some, we've got some wonderful names. Hi, guys. Welcome. I was going to read that one out, actually. Oh, read them out. Let everyone know who's here. Michael. Do you want me to read them out? Yeah. Uh, so we've got Mike Clitoris. No. Uh, <laughs> No, you can't even read. You messed that up, Ryan. His name is Mike Litterus. Show your cock, mate. Oh. Eh? Show your <laughs> This for a bad idea. <laughs> I think, I think we probably... I think we probably Just a moment. Here's... So I think the problem is, guys, what we've done is we've just opened it up to anyone who's on Twitter, and now we've got... (laughs) (laughs) We should record. We should get... 
just going to remove that guy. <laughs> that's such a bad idea. Remove that. Remove that. That is now. brilliant. This <laughs> is brilliant. <laughs> so those weren't people that we'd invited. Well, the problem is we, we just sent a link out so that anyone could join. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually some, think about some random bloke comes in asking to see Alan's cock <laughs> <laughs> right I've, I've deleted <laughs> I've deleted that tweet that was a really fun idea oh, that was awesome oh, this is for the outtakes clearly <laughs> we'll have to edit this bit out <laughs> So oh, I think I deleted the tweet. Probably, I think what we probably need to do is do that. <laughs> set up Zoom so that people can't just can't just talk. <laughs> 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 Who are these people? <laughs> should have tested this beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Put the tweet out again. <laughs> who are these people who are just sat there waiting for a Zoom link? <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon that was Chris Coleman. <laughs> oh, oh my god, that's amazing. Oh, was that Keith Parsons? <laughs> 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 so that is that because really we just idea. don't have the right type of zoom where we can do webinars is, is that we need the yeah. webinar version of zoom yeah i think this i think this is what you need to do the upgrade yeah yeah okay cool oh my God. so i think right. what we'll probably do for the lock-in next week we'll do that but we'll do it properly <laughs> And we'll uh, we'll actually do it with the webinar software <laughs> so that not any random can just join in and start talking. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. That was funny. Uh, right, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. Come on. I genuinely think we should leave that in, by the way. Right. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Okay. So this week, uh, Aruba Air Pass was released, wasn't it? Uh, seamless roaming between 5G and Wi-Fi. Uh, Ryan, why don't you take it away, mate? Did you see this? Airpass. No, AirPass. No, I don't know what you're talking about, but I was talking about something else with ClearPass. What are you talking about? That, go for uh, it. What I was you talking, talking about, about that, mate. Ah, okay. Some people may know that uh, a new standard, authentication standard, was... Um, released by the IETF. Uh, it was called TEEP, which is uh, an amendment or, sorry, an Im improvement to the EEP protocol. It is the tunneled extensible authentication protocol. Um, what's interesting is it's just come to ClearPass 6.9. However, we don't have any clients to support it yet. Um, 
So a little bit about TEEP is, like I said, is a fairly new uh, protocol. Uh, it's basically tunnel-based EAP. Um, some slight differences, it sends an EAP request with the EAP type set TEEP. Uh, it has two different versions. Um, it has 1.1 and 1.2, I believe. Um, and the idea is that you can have backwards compatibility as it's going through the uh, protocol amendments. So you can use it now and not have to do any major upgrades or changes to the protocol when the amendments come. I was just going to say Windows 10 supports TEEP now, doesn't it, I think? Is that right? Not right now. So oh, from right, what okay. I gather, it's going to be in a future version. Uh, I think it's version two, 2003, which sounds odd, but it's Windows 10 build 2003, okay. I believe is the latest one. I tried it on my Windows. machine. What a shock, Windows coming up with a stupid naming convention like that. Well, Mac probably won't have it for the next five years, so I really wouldn't worry about it, Dan. Boom. Anyway. Yes, uh, it is coming to Windows 10 and it will be native support. So one of the one of the benefits of it is um, it works a bit like EAP chaining. So for all of us that have done EAP chaining before, you'll know that it's used with um, Cisco Ice <clears throat> and you have to have the AnyConnect client on, which is a problem in itself because Cisco AnyConnect can be a bit rubbish at times, shall we say. Um, but one of the benefits is that you can authenticate both users and machines separately uh, in two separate tunnels. Uh, so machines can be authenticated and then obviously, depending on that, you can give different policies and then the user can be authenticated and you can do different policies with that. Like I said, that has to have a separate supplicant, but now Windows, as Christine alluded to, is going to support this natively, which means that we're going to be able to do this without the need of a supplicant. Um, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. So I'll be um, I'll be doing some labs in the next in the coming in the coming weeks with uh, Teep. And if I can get it to work with Windows, then I will let you know. Ryan, one one of the problems I always saw with Eap chaining was that a client wasn't on the network until the machine had proved itself and the user had proved themselves with a certificate. And and I constantly saw people run into issues with uh, machines that were sat there waiting for updates but couldn't talk to SCCM, for example, because they were waiting for the uh, the user to log in. Um, users who have forgotten the password uh, couldn't contact Active Directory services. And and I think what, what happened eventually is that you had to push down a sort of a pre-auth ACL, which allowed... Yeah, clients to talk to those services and it sort of weakened your security position a bit because your domain mm. services and your software update services were available just at machines off. Yes, uh, you, you are right. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's something I would do as standard, to be honest, do a pre-auth ACL. It's something I always have done. Um, what I have known people to do to get around that is they've almost put a read-only domain controller in a DMZ, <laughs> and then they've put the, the 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 ACL that's pushed down to the client. Um, they're then able to talk to services within a DMZ only, um, and that's it. Okay. Have you? It's, have a, you it's seen... a bit of a long way around it, and to be honest, yeah. um, I can. Hmm, you have to be very well invested in it. Uh, personally, I would prefer people to go with ETLS uh, for both machines and users. I don't 
don't see any reason why not. So have you have you seen um, implementation so far of uh, each chaining? Because we we tried it in the past and it didn't quite work for us. Um, there were there are other reasons behind that which I, I won't go I, into. I may but... have deployed quite a few each chaining <laughs> deployments. All right. It does it does work and it does have some good results. You are right though. You do have some limitations. One of the limitations is uh, RDP into desktops. So uh, I had a customer who had ran EapChainer for at least a year, no issues. And then a bit like what's happened recently, they had a home working scenario. And what people were doing is they were RDPing into their desktops. I'm not entirely sure why, but they were. And it wasn't working um, because you couldn't, the machine was sat there on a pre-auth ACL, which could communicate to the antivirus uh, Windows Server update services Active Directory, but it couldn't communicate to anything else. Um, so we couldn't do port three three eight nine through. So that didn't work. So that was a very small use case that I've seen of it. I have seen the whole password reset thing, where the users forgot their password. But like I said, if you've got a tight enough ACL, a tight enough ACL on there, you can get around that. I just yeah, I guess for me, I can't see the benefit of doing T for each chaining over just certificate-based authentication with ETLS. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you've got to weaken your security position to a point that where you've got to allow domain services and you know SCCM and whatever other infrastructure you've got to keep your clients updated and keep your clients online, then it's almost pointless having the next step. But I, I guess for some people, it's, they'll see the benefit and they'll like the second wall. Yeah, it's, it's it's less certificates, to be honest, um, from what I found. And it's less work to implement than ETLS. Although I'm saying less work, you're probably saving yourself maybe an hour, if that. If that. So, I think, I think just, just, I guess, moving on, the, the other thing that was announced this week was um, more around roaming between 5G, Wi-Fi, 3G, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think Aruba mm-hmm. announced AirPass, which I know absolutely nothing about, but also Cisco have handed open roaming over to Wild Broadband Alliance, haven't they? Has anyone been following that? Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Next, hey, question. The, Next the question. Only, the only thing oh, that I've seen is just, that, is just that they've moved open roaming over to Wireless Broadband Alliance, which I thought was a good thing to do um, but what was funny was that obviously Aruba came out with their air pass like a few days before <laughs> and it was like hey yeah you know we're, do- we're doing something as well and then like straight away it was like cool everyone's just going to use open roaming I expect uh, yeah it'd be, just... it'd be interesting interesting to see Aruba's response to that wouldn't it because uh, uh, open roaming was Cisco proprietary wasn't it and I guess now it's going to be yeah. uh, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about wireless broadband alliance but I assume they're going to standardize it make it a little bit more open than, than what cisco usually do and from what and from what i've seen open roaming is you know really impressive um in in terms of you know again with my apple hat on like you know i'm i'm seeing this as you know i'm going to make this public network and anyone who has an apple id will be able to use it yeah you know some, something like that I, I just think in terms of that ability to make uh, public Wi-Fi 
fast free frictionless you know that whole thing that keith parsons you know loves i i can't see a better way of implementing it than that that open roaming idea you know and yeah and cisco uh used it at cisco live in barcelona and uh, a few of my colleagues went there and yeah. from what i understood it worked um I don't think they liked having to download an app on the phone and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you, you know, if, if there's if there's wide support for it and all your uh, sort of telefo- uh, cell providers support it, then people aren't yeah. going to have to download different apps. It's just, it's, for me, it's like baby steps at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think that's that's where it comes in. You know, it will be things like if you have Gmail installed on your device, it will be able to use the, you know, the identity from that. Um, to authenticate and 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 again things like an Apple ID <clears throat> that anyone with an Apple ID, Apple device will have, it will just be able to use those, you know, credentials to to log in. So I think I think that end user completely not having to do anything side of things is is really exciting. Um, so I think I think that'll be that'll be really interesting. And it's, it's, I think Hotspot 2.0 is used on the London Underground at the moment, isn't it? And I've never had a problem yeah. with, with that. Every time I go down, my phone's connected straight away. I'm on wireless. I've got no, no hotspots or anything to log into. It, it works brilliantly. And then I go yeah. through a tunnel three minutes out later, so I lose all signal. Yeah. But that's a different problem. It, it, it does work pretty well, I must admit. Are you with EE? No. I am. Mm, I don't know if it was just EE that it worked with, because... Um, that was a, I remember that was a unique selling point when I signed up for EE that you could use it on London Underground. Yeah. And with Vodafone, it works fine. So, yeah. I think they opened it up. Yeah, I think they opened it up uh, more recently because I think the only one that was a bit of a pain to connect to was um, 3. It wasn't, it, it, you could do it, but it was more of a, you had to jump through more hoops, which was a bit annoying. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think that, um, Anything that can make public Wi-Fi easier for end users to use and more secure for end users to use, you know, gets gets the thumbs up from me. I'm, I'm going to move away from the agenda we don't have, but how do you think it's going to compete with um, like, uh, OWE and, and WPA3? Because WPA3 seems to be trying to make open wireless networks secure in its own way. What? Do you have thoughts on that, or shall we cut this bit and move on? <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear Alan's thoughts. Go on, Alan. Does, does Alan have any thoughts? <laughs> He's just I been smiling. <laughs> I've been just drinking my butt cum, clearly. I've just been <laughs> um, listening in. thing is, I guess with, with, with the way I see things, no one's using WPA3 yet. So until they start using it, that's when I'll pay attention to it. Um, yeah. You can kind of meet up about it. Um, UWA and everything else and yeah by all means understand the theory but until it's put in place and it's it's out there in the open in the wild and you can kind of see it operate and it work for me um, I'm not really paying any attention to it I think in my industry I'm dealing with other types of security protocols um, you know WPA2 and uh, 802.1x and roaming protocols and all that jazz in, in Wi-Fi world so for me I'm not really paying any attention to WPA3 and Wi-Fi Alliance right now. I guess I guess one one bit I'm interested in is is how seamless is a roam between 5G or 4G and wireless. And I, I guess how how do you best calculate those roaming times to see how how little it, or how much it impacts your, your user traffic? 
Good question. Well, here's another question for you. How do you measure? How would you measure? So Ryan, <clears throat> I'll ask you mm -hmm. this because you weren't in the conversation originally. Okay. How do you measure a Rome? What's the kind of factor, the metric that you use to Miles. determine? <laughs> what is the metric that you would use to measure a successful Rome for a client? I don't necessarily see it as a metric. <clears throat> it's, it's just the things that I would, I don't know, assess. So if you've, if you've designed within your threshold that, that point, your cell edge, you just want to make sure they say, right, okay, I want to get an egg 72 and I want to hope to roam. So when you walk into that cell edge, my point would be when I get to neg 72 using a tool like WinFi of Nigel, Wi-Fi Nigel's got that brilliant Roman script. Have you seen it? Are you name dropping now? Yeah. All I am, I. Sound of it. Yeah, I thought you said you don't well, have come on, Nigel, he's, he is the father of Wi-Fi. He is. He's, he's, our, he's, our, he's our dad. He is. But he's got a really good PowerShell script that I've used quite a lot where you just run it in the background and it just exports um, from NetSH, the uh, BSSID that you connected to, uh, the data rates as well, and the received signal strength. And the good thing is there you can walk around and it just logs it to a text file so that you can look back and see at which point and at which RSSI did you get to when it, when you roamed or did not Is that the thing that Peter built his thing on top of? It is, yeah. Is yeah. Nice. yeah. Oh, yeah, Peter's got that tool as well. I haven't actually used that yet. He's working to develop that even further as well, I believe. So right. it's quite nifty. It's good. But yeah, I mean, like I my... said, Nigel's PowerShell script works really well. So if Peter's putting a UI and additional features on top of it, that's going to be pretty impressive to calculate roaming. Yeah, but going back to my original question, how would you calculate a roaming? What does I just told you I wouldn't calculate it. Well, well what do you mean? I, I, I'll answer the question for you. I measure how quick something roams based in time. So did it take X milliseconds, one second, two seconds? Would you not agree that is the metric? The most important metric. Yeah, because I actually was, I'll let you into a little secret here. I actually was writing a blog on this and... Uh, I haven't published it. I haven't even bothered no. to finish it because I just can't. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, you know, just can't write a blog these days. But so anyway, it's, it's incomplete. And maybe I'll surprise everybody in the Wi-Fi community and actually publish something meaningful, <clears throat> okay, other than a retweet of something crypto-related, for example. So the question I have, right, is um, in the contents of this blog that I was writing, how would you measure Rome? And if I said to you, um, how long does it take you to move house? Ryan, well, how long would mm -hmm. you say? How long would you say it takes you to move house? It depends. Oh, Sam Clements, how long does it take you to move house? I'm being serious. It depends. I've got a lot of, a lot of shit in the loft. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> can, you condense, can you contract your answer for me? How long would it take you to, to move house, Ryan? A day. A day. And, and, and is that because you're basing it upon the fact, the time it takes you to unpack it, pack everything into a box, load it into a van and drive to your new house. No, no, everything's already packed. To move <laughs> okay. house. Loaded into a big ass van. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. This is the so, worst analogy you've ever come up with, mind. It's not, it's, it's going to get better, trust me. Okay. You love so, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll ride the bus to the next stop. Let's go. So, 
To, to pack up my house would probably take, without the kids in the way, probably Five minutes. two or three days. Two or three days, I reckon. It is. And that, that typically is what we would, I guess, also measure a client roaming from on one AP to the other. It's, it is based upon how long it took him to go from AP1 to AP2, right? It's the same concept you've just described, moving houses, how long we take it in a day. See, I'd ask someone like Christian, how long does it take you, how long would you say it takes you to move house? Um, well, I'd probably start looking for a new house, like three, four months in advance. Um, and, you know, you've got, to, you've got to do the viewings, you've got to go around, try to pick the best house. You know, one's got a swimming pool, one's got a, a man cave, which, which one do you want to go to, which one's best for you? And then obviously you've got to go through with buying the house, which takes time. Um, once all that's settled, you, yeah, mortgages, pay solicitors, you know, all that, all that rubbish. Survey. Um, yeah, yeah, survey Take as well. Months, and then right. probably three, four months. That's that's quite good, I think. So we've gone from moving house, and let's translate that to a Rome, right? We've gone from taking almost four months to do something that can be done in a day. Do you not think that's a waste of time? Imagine the client taking all of that time to, to, to move in, say, I don't know, half a, half a second when he could have moved maybe sooner and quicker. The, the point I'm trying to make is that with um, roaming, the industry that I work in, it's very, very uh, sensitive to um, some of the roaming metrics and i'm in i guess i have the benefit of being able to work with infrastructure like work group bridges that allows me to be more granular with the configuration and customization of when a work group bridge uh, associates to an access point and roams from that access point to another one in the industry that i work in i'm able to manipulate a lot of the metrics that if you like translating back into the the, the, the search and the moving house means that i can i guess find the house that i want um, I can, you know, determine the solicitors that I'm going to be using, mortgage applications and so on and so forth. All of that bit that takes the longest. And I would try and find the most efficient path to get into my new house as quick as possible. Now, coming back into, say, Wofo, Wi-Fi roaming, then, you know, <laughs> I've had a few beers, clearly. So what I'm getting at is, for me, it's important that roaming isn't just about how long it actually took it to roam there and then. For me, I find it's important to understand scan times. You know, what is it scanning for? And, and this is some of the configuration um, I've been working with um, in the industry, as I say, I work in. And it's given me a little bit more open, uh, open my eyes, I guess, to saying, well, if I can manipulate that type of um, configuration and those metrics, why can't I take that into the client world and say, wouldn't it be great if I could tell my iPhone what channels to scan would it be good if i could tell my android device to scan only for x milliseconds rather than for the milliseconds that kind of stuff so to be able to improve the roaming uh, you know efficiency as it were rather than just rely on someone pre-programmed thinking that that is the best optimal roaming metric calculation built into that chipset so you've got something you've you like to say customized roaming profile if you like <clears throat> To it can be to due to your clients. To a degree, because I think it's just as important to consider it's not just the room itself that's that, that's valuable. I think it's also the the, the, the pre the pre information that's loaded. So you've got you know protocols like KVNR, KVNR, sorry, that that help um, improve the the efficiency of the room. So for me, you know, the information that K would give you, for example. Um, we can preempt what information that's given to the work group bridge. So we can say, look, 
you're going to go down this aisle and down this aisle are access points that we already know what the static channel is assigned to each of those APs. So if we know that, why do we need to tell them to scan the whole of the five gigahertz frequency, for example, that's just a complete waste yeah. of time and efficiency for that work with bridge when making roaming decisions. So we're trying to condense and contract and make it more efficient. So what I'm saying is that the availability is there on enterprise products like work group bridges. It'd be great to kind of see that type of customization and configuration available in certain yeah. chipsets and client devices. So, so I think there's a few things in, in your environment, you've got the benefit of predictability, haven't you? You know, your, your, your clients aren't people walking around with phones that you don't control and all that kind of stuff. Correct. So, so you can say if your APs you are going to need to join are, are in this small list and, and, in some environments or some manufacturers you do you can do that so Vasira, for example i think you can tune which channels it scans so if you're if you're like andrew and you hit dfs and you just pick the four uh, non-dfs channels and five gigahertz you can just say there are your four channels to scan so i think some clients do give that um I, I think the issue with enterprise is that we can't predict the behavior of users and you know they're going to be walking up and down pacing at different speeds on the phone call and the only More thing they care what, about what devices they're going to be using as well it could be anything couldn't it so but, but we don't have that, any of that information right now i mean how often do we get that data sheet from apple or even a, a galaxy samsung phone that tells us what those scan times and dwell times are um well, all the intricate information that is kind of useful for us to base our design infrastructure on do we have that information available to us now? The only time I've ever seen that is with ASCOM. Um, <clears throat> I did a lot of work with Mitel handsets before, and um, what I found is that they have like a quite good document actually that details their roaming behavior, what they're looking for, and at which point they decide to roam. I thought that was really really helpful. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great if there was some sort of protocol standard, whatever that allowed us to send to a client this is how we want you to roam so you know these these are the things that we want you to roam rather than the client deciding how they that's, roam that's that's what k and vr isn't it so k is enablist this these are the aps that you need to scan all the channels you need to scan on or whatever and v is did you did you just say what kvr or kvr k v a R A R. <laughs> right. Not R. Just not just check it. <laughs> not R. Yeah. God, this is confusing now, isn't it? Um, so 802.11 K and V. Right. Uh. So V is, you know, you are approaching the edge of my cell. You need to transition. Transition, please. Otherwise, I'll kick you off. The, the problem is, there's no standard for clients. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like my AP it. telling me that I have to go somewhere else. And clients don't me. like it. No. So why are we even bothering with it? Because it's an attempt to fix a problem that's caused by a lack of standards in clients. Who's responsible for those standards in clients? Andrew McHale. Yes, he is. <laughs> so I get him on the phone yeah. again. He probably, give no, probably give a voicemail. There's no point. He probably he'll give you another dissy. Well, he'd be pretending he's working some critical um, upgrade for some global vendor and, you know, he's fixing the world and he's going to be a hero and have a medal at the yeah. end of it. This is the only thing, though, right? What's the Wi-Fi alliance is vendors. But 
you know, Apple want the best phone. They want the phone that roams the best and they want the phone that interacts with wireless and 3G and 4G the best. They don't want to tell Samsung how to do that. So it's not in their interest to ever do it. I think that's what I mean. Like, would it not be, you know, would, would it not be helpful if a vendor, a large vendor said, hey, you know, we, we would like clients to adhere to this you know because we know the network environment that they're going into better than the clients do themselves so we want to control the roam we want to say when you hit this then roam when you hit that then do this you know don't don't scan through all the channels just hit this one just do, do you know what i mean yeah, but I think the only way a vendor can do that is if they control the infrastructure and the client. And I think that's what Alan's point was with uh, Cisco with the workgroup bridges. They know how their infrastructure acts and they know how their clients act. So it, it all fits together quite nicely. Yeah. I think that's what I mean. You're kind of right there. Ah, oh, really? Last orders, guys. Sorry. As if, you, as if it's not depressing enough that you have to ring that bloody bell. Who, <laughs> so Andrew? i get i get what you're saying in terms of only when you've got a vendor can you do that but i I just want like i know it doesn't exist now but if we could come up with something that would say to clients this is you know forget your roaming algorithm this is how we want you to roam and and these are the you know, the things that we want you to abide by. Is that something that would work? Is that something that could work? Technically, is it possible? It, it could. I think an alternative would be, um, you know, being able to send traffic down multiple paths on a client and then the run becomes less important because you've got Ooh. different networks Ooh. or different options to send traffic over. That's an interesting concept there, Christian. Mm-hmm. Did, someone, mm-hmm. did someone speak in your ear earlier by any chance? <laughs> don't, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so again, have you um have you seen Seven Signals Mobile Eye for roaming? No, here nope, he is. Interested? Yeah. <laughs> it's <not>. really good. <laughs> I I I seen it. So I had it on some some test Dell devices, and um, they were, I, th- I believe they were all the same model. But what it reported was the fact that two Dell devices roamed slower <clears throat> than another two. And what it was quite good because it was installed on the client, it was quite good to see that there was actually two different versions of driver installed and it flagged that. Now, I think that has some bearing on it because how do you, if you, so we're talking about mobile devices, but what what if you've got like a, a Windows laptop or something? There's all sorts of different drivers for everything and they'll all have different configurations. That's why you want think, a Mac because they've all got the same drives, aren't they, Dan? Yeah, but I think I think that's my point, though, isn't it? Is that if you're leaving it to the clients, you're leaving it to the to the drivers rather than an industry standard that said, okay, you know, if you go to this Cisco network, they are going to ask you to do your roaming differently from if you go to this Aruba network, which is going to ask you to do your roaming differently from if you went to this Mist network. But there was something built in into it that that kind of said this is how you roam on this is how you roam most efficiently on our network um i think that's interesting but i really like i really like the point that christian allen you're kind of bringing up about you know what 
having, radius. Having that, yeah, having that connection across multiple because and and again not even necessarily just wi-fi but cellular and wi-fi and dual wi-fi you know five gigahertz 2.4 six gigahertz you know i think that's really interesting it is and and, and so one of the one of the solutions i've been working on in the, in the infrastructure that i work in so I, so those of you who don't know i work in uh, shipping terminals so uh pretty hostile environment constantly changing all the time and some of the solutions that we've been working on involve um, very, you know, very latency sensitive protocols such as Profinet, if you've heard of that. And one of the solutions that Cisco uh, pushed out was what we called a redundant parallel protocol. And the concept basically is that you end up with both radios on a workgroup bridge, for example, active, and they're both associated. So in this case, it's the 2.4 and the 5 gigahertz radio, and they're sending duplicate packets. There's another device on the on the land side, as it were, um, called a red box, which would receive both of these packets, but it would only permit through the frame that it received first, or the packet received first, and it would drop the duplicate that's received afterwards. But the concept is that when a um, roam occurs on the 2.4 or 5 gig radio, they it would never occur at the same time. So what happens is that if the 5 gigahertz radio wants to roam because it's triggered its algorithm, for example, it will run, but in the meantime, the 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 workgroup bridge is configured so that during the two point so that during that run with the five gig radio, the two point four isn't going to be, um, you know, roaming at the same time. Something funny, Ryan. Hey, no, carry on. I'm talking. I'm, I'm being I'm, is it because I'm being technical and it's not really no. not really the no, thing I, I do think, these days? No, I think you're just I having flashbacks that. to Zoom. I did just see Dan's tweet. <laughs> I didn't know. But just to finish off quickly, the concept is that, you know, when one radio is actively roaming, the other one is still passing traffic. So effectively what it is that you're minimizing on the roaming uh, impact to the uh, latency sensitive application that wants to roam, that wants to, I guess, pass over the wireless infrastructure. So that's also a good concept to bring into what we talked about a few weeks ago, I think, either on the first episode or the second episode that we recorded, when we talked about six gigahertz coming in, about having multiple radios within that same handset that it's possible <laughs> that uh, five gig and six gig could potentially adopt that type of feature, for example, where, you know, roaming is minimized and also e even over cellular as well, you know, it's possible um, and it could improve roaming for you know, latency sensitive um, applications, yeah. for example. So it's, it's pretty cool. I think just before Boris comes and shuts us down for good, um, there, there is a there is a client VPN called Speedify, which, which sort of allows similar, it'll, it'll, it can send dual, packets over Wi-Fi or 3G or 4G or whatever. And it's more for data resilience rather than to fix any sort of roaming problems, but it does exist. Uh, I think you can try it for free as well. There's quite a lot of settings you can change in there. So it might be worth nice. you looking at if you want to have a play around with that kind of thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, stick, we'll, stick, um, we'll stick a link in the show notes. Christian, if you remember to send that over to me, I'll stick it in. All right, guys, we better, um, we better stop, stop the... Stop the evening there. Thanks for coming out. Uh, it's been I, know a bit, tonight. I know it's a bit dodgy. Don't forget <laughs> next week. What's happening next week? Oh yeah. Well, if you sort out the <laughs> webinar thing, <laughs> I what genuinely I think a we should. Of blogs with their tops off coming in. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should leave it in. It was so good. Um, so next week we got our lock in. Uh, it once once we figure out how how Zoom works. 
<laughs> so that we can stop random people with dancing pecs and people asking Alan to get his willy out. Um, <laughs> this generally uh, happened, people. This generally uh, happens. so good. There's part of me that wishes that we would record the the videos that we have of Zoom uh, and we no. post that as well. Oh no, yeah, too. We, well, have, yeah. we can do this. We can maybe do this, maybe we should do some outtakes during the week just to uh, <laughs> just to keep people going. We'll do a screenshot. Wow. Yeah, that was, uh, that was else. We'll, we'll sort okay. it out for a lock-in. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. So lock-in next week, eight o'clock on Thursday. Uh, what? What date is Thursday? Eight o'clock UK time, by the way. GMT. No, BST. BST. Oh, yeah, we changed, don't we? Second of April. So the US US is going to be five hours behind us instead of four. In some places. I'm sure places are going to be six and seven and eight, and then we can carry on across the Pacific Ocean. People can sign up, can't they? We'll probably have to do it on Twitter. People can sign up and then and then they can they can <laughs> put it in their calendar or whatever. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Thanks for coming out. Uh, stay safe. Save our NHS. Stay at home. <laughs> <laughs>